Lake Ontario water levels are the highest in history, and that means that everybody is looking towards the Toronto Islands, which are at risk of flooding once again, despite the fact that they have over 2,000 sandbags in place, 30 sump pumps going nonstop, and people on the island working day and night to make sure that their way of life continues. Um, it, it doesn't look great for Lake Ontario. Mark Matson joins us right now. He's president of Swim, Drink, Fish, and he is the Lake Ontario keeper. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Kelly. Okay, maybe give us a little background, Mark. It's always good to have you on the show. This is not just because of the wet weather uh, that we had over the past few months and the heavy rains and the snow melt. This is also because of the controlling of the inflows and outflows of Lake Ontario. Maybe can you encapsulate what has led to this high level? Well, sure. Um, Well, what's happening right now in 2019 and what happened in 2017, they go beyond what the... um, the IJC can do in terms of controlling Lake Ontario's water levels. Lake Ontario is the only Great Lakes that has any control mechanism, and that's in Cornwall. But the rain and the melt and the water coming in from Lake Erie and the rest of the Great Lakes in 2017 and 2019 sort of overwhelmed that. And now they're just, um, you know, they're trying to balance out um, how much water there is in Montreal and Ottawa versus how much there is on Lake Ontario. So it is really what we're seeing here is, because of the rain and the snow melt, not because of the control mechanisms put in place. Right. I know there's debate about that in upstate New York, where they've been really upset about the new plans that were put in place in 2016, um, I believe it was called Plan 2014, where they want to leave the water higher in the spring and lower in the fall in order to restore 90% of fish habitat on Lake Ontario since the seaway was built. But these these um, moments here in 2017 and 2019 have overwhelmed that ability, and, and now we're just in sort of a mash situation where we're trying to um, just deal with what is really quite overwhelming. So you've seen this coming for quite a while, these uh, historic uh, levels of water in Lake Ontario. Well, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. I grew up on a little island called Wolf Island, so I've been seeing the water levels um, my whole life, <laughs> you know, since the early 60s. So. The highest water levels really we ever saw were in 1973, and then 2017 surpassed that, and now 2019 is meeting that. But remember, there were many times in between where water levels were very low. I know you, maybe I've even been here talking with you about them in years where um, there are concerns about the water levels being so low. So um, there is a lot of uncertainty right now, and there's a big onus on our communities to build this resilience and to be flexible enough to deal with it. And that's really what we're seeing right now is those, um, see if those precautions we put in place are going to hold for this year. And it's not just about the Toronto Island and the residents who are worried about flooding. Talk about what high levels of water do to the overall health of Lake Ontario. There's so many things. I mean, as you've mentioned, I mean, all the sandbags and, you know, the ferry closed today to Hamlin's Point. Toronto Island could be off um, limits to so many people, and it really is the beachfront the, for so many Torontonians to Lake Ontario. It's such an important recreational area, and it's our connection to the lake. But there are other things. I mean, all the pumps that are running I, on Wolf Island and on Kingston and Bay Quinty and, you know, Hamilton, people... It's just so devastating when um, the water backs up into the home and on the streets and can destroy so much of your home. Um, It's a real problem um, right across the lake. There are other issues, though. Of course, the sewage infrastructure can get overwhelmed. I mean, we see that in Toronto. The pipes weren't built to um, high enough, really, and the water starts backing up into the into our pipes. And the older ones, which are called combined sewer overflows, they mix with the sewage and the stormwater. 
and then it just overwhelms the whole system and just gets discharged. So I remember in 2017, Simcoe Street, you know, that new street they built with under the bridge there by... Um, by sure, the underpass, yeah. Yeah, I remember when that filled with water. And, you know, I go by there every day and wonder if the pumps are going to keep the water out there because that's really where the lake level is. It's right above where the road is under that bridge. What does, this, what does this do to the aquatic life in, in Lake Ontario? Is there any effect on it? Well, you know, that's interesting because, um, you know, in some ways it's a benefit because so much of Lake Ontario's shoreline has been hardened over the last 30 to 40 years. So this water level, as it flows up into the grasses and into the parks, you know, creates habitat that otherwise doesn't exist. So um, there is, uh, there's a lot more wetland, a lot more marshes that aren't supposed to be there right now, and the fish certainly are taking advantage of that. Sure, we see people uh, catching them on the uh, island carp yeah. and... <laughs> And, exactly. and netting them and, and walking nope. them back out. But it's not an intended um, benefit. And I think, um, I think it just, you know, it's just, I think what's really important, though, is that, you know, we have what's called the, the Swim Guide um, app, and we have a photo submission if you go to waterkeepers.ca. We're really encouraging people to take pictures right now of these high water marks because this is history. And it's important that we have this evidence. You're really a citizen scientist now. A lot of people didn't take pictures when the water was lower, so it's hard for them to judge just, mm-hmm. oh, you know. But even, I'm sure, looking out your window, you can see the tires over the sugar um, plant there and see how high the water is. And so we're really encouraging people to take advantage of this, to make sure we get the evidence to, you know, prepare for the future. Maybe this, you know, there's a good chance this is going to happen more frequently in the future. And so it is important that... Um, we really start to think about what this means for our communities, where we build, and how the lake functions. But um, I think the real story here is the, is the damage being done and, the, um, and what we need to do about that in order to protect, particularly here in the spring where it's such an important time for life and there's so much that's happening. And, you know, we don't want to always have these um, really problematic situations where we have sewage and landfill and stormwater leaching out into our water, making it unfit for recreational use or for fishing. Mark, I only have about 30 seconds left with yeah. you, but why should the average person care that's listening right now? It is Because some people think, oh, well, it's just rich people that can afford to live on the water. Like They've been lucky enough for long enough to live on the water. Why do I care about this? The average person that does not live near the water, why should mm-hmm. they care about the high record uh, of water level in Lake Ontario this year? I think that's a great question, and I think, you know, it goes to water literacy. And I think we forget just how much Lake Ontario is central to our culture and our communities and our cities and everyone. For example, all of us drink the water from Lake Ontario. Um, This is our, you know, our most important asset we have. There's also that recreational connection to it. There's agricultural connections, industry connections. And a lot of people who live on Lake Ontario are not wealthy people. I mean, in the cities, yes, the property development goes up, and some of the cottage country now you're seeing it. But there's so much of Lake Ontario where communities live without drinking water. They don't have drinking water facilities. They're not large enough. They're rural areas. And the damage that's done um, by high water across the lake really, um, I think, affects everyone. And when you understand just how important this water is to our economic prosperity, our social prosperity, our culture generally, you really start to understand how important it is that we um, take care of it and we make sure we protect it. And so high water levels... It's a new reality, and um, our governments and the people and, you know, the movement that's working for swimmable, drinkable, fishable water really needs to, um, to, be, to be prepared for the uncertainty and to be resilient and flexible. And everyone needs to support each other at these times because, um, you know, it really is a stressful time.